Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina post-game podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. Of course, great places for Inside Carolina subscribers to get their Carolina gear. And you get 10% off if you're a premium subscriber. And we've talked over and over about why you should be that premium subscriber. And that doesn't even include the 10% off. Do it now. Join up and help Johnny T-Shirt out. Also, rate us, review us, subscribe. Five-star ratings on Apple iTunes podcast, subscribe on YouTube, all that good stuff. 8676. So, you know, I got to bring in my man, Dewey Burke. Dewey, a few people that we talked to on this podcast understand what Roy Williams thinks about NC State as well as you do. Overall thoughts on the ball game? Yeah, it was good. Uh, good redemption. Played much better than we played over at their place, and we owed them one for sure, even though we we almost came back and won at their place. We didn't play well enough to deserve to win that game. And uh, I thought we did a lot of good things. You know, we're we're starting to figure it out. We got out in transition a little bit more, even though the fast break points actually scored, didn't show it. We played with more pace and, uh, you know, almost 90 points where there were plenty of games early in the season where it didn't feel like maybe we could score 60. And, um, you know, and a lot of individuals that I was really pleased with, Caleb, I thought is, is continuing to play well, turned it over too many times, but he's still, he's getting better every game. Uh, and then the bigs were great, you know, Dayron and, uh, and Mondo especially were terrific. Anthony Harris played great. So it was, uh, there was a lot to like in that game. He kept the turnovers down and anytime you win against the Wolfpack, your coach is going to be happy. Absolutely. Carolina, like I said, wins by 10, shoots over 50% again. So they're keeping that going after the second half against Wake Forest. Let's start with the big men. And I know we just listened to Roy Williams post game, and he talks about he wants the balance. He, he doesn't mind jump shots, but he's got to love to see a guy like Armando Baycott and Daron Sharp just have their way underneath. I mean, they worked and give Manny Bates some credit. The, the kid blocks everything that comes to him. But when Baycott and Sharp were able to get in position, they were a load for NC State. They were, yeah. I mean, you know, 33 and 18 between the two of them, very high field goal percentage. And uh, we just got a lot of productivity when we threw the ball in the post, which we talked about on this podcast. Uh, you know, it hasn't always been the case. And we've had games where we've thrown it in there and we've gotten good looks and the ball's just rimmed out. Or Dayron's had some periods where he's gotten stripped when you feel like a, a guy of his size shouldn't lose control of the basketball. But um, we talked last game, and I commented in my mailbag that I like when the ball goes into the post to those two guys, and I prefer Garrison as more of a face-up catch-and-shoot player. Garrison just didn't get as many touches in this game, but – uh, the touches he did get were more catch and shoot. He had that nice turnaround jumper. Um, it, it, you can't decide when and where each post player gets their touch. It just happens in the flow mostly. But I was pleased with the way it happened in this game, that it was Dayron and, and Mondo with their back to the basket and Garrison more face-up catch and shoot. I think that plays to our strengths. I agree with that 100%. You're right. Garrison, I mean, four. what do you have, 4-4? Four, four. And one assist, a couple turnovers, not, and two blocks. Not his best game, but you're right. If they could get him 
if if you can make the free throw line jumper for North Carolina or the short corner jumper, you can ton it in this offense. And I think that's the best place to have Brooks doing it. Um, Baycott, let's let's talk about him a little more. I keep saying he's probably the most underrated Carolina player. He keeps doing what he's doing. That's not going to be the case. The only knock on him is you got to make your free throws. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing your buddy Hansbro did all the time is you can make a living at the free throw line. But Baycott, 8 for 12, 17 and 8. I mean, I love that guy's energy and the block he had down on the other end. I mean, big time, big time block. Uh, and, and we talked about this last time, and, and I really believe this to be true. He has a, a stoic focus that I really like. Last year, if, if you go back and watch a game from last year, he was more reactive to the referees. He was more emotional, not in a helpful way. And I think he just has figured out that for him to be successful, he's right here. He's, he's lasered in and focused and has a stoic focus that I really like. Um, it was interesting. One of the questions that I got in my mailbag was about the way that Wake played our other bigs, not named Garrison. They sagged way off and basically dared them to shoot from 15 feet trying to eliminate the high-low. And one of the questions was, don't you think other teams will try to emulate this? How do we combat that? And my answer was, well, Mondo and Dayron have to be a threat from the elbow and from the foul line. What was very, very encouraging to me was both of them hit a jumper. And even further, Mondo had a play where he caught it at the top, dribbled left, two, three dribbles, and finished over contact with his left hand. If teams are going to sag off of those guys because they feel like Garrison's the only one that's really a threat to catch and shoot, you must punish them. Not only with the ability to go get to the rim, but because they're out of position on the offensive glass. And I thought we did both of those things tonight. Anytime they sagged off those guys, we made them pay. And we also got to the backboard to rebound. So really encouraged with the way both of those guys played. And Mondo, without question, was the best player on the floor, certainly in the first half. And... uh Man, if he can keep his energy up and and make free throws, like you said, he's finishing with both hands now. Kind of like we've talked about with Caleb, I think Mondo's getting more confident too. Uh, so there's a lot to like about the way we played. I really think so. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he's he's getting it done on the offensive end. The blocks what got me out of the chair. Uh, I mean, yeah. for him to show that athleticism because he's not. He doesn't come across as the most athletic guy. He's got great moves. He's got good skills. But that was that was a money making athletic play for him down the road. I think it was, and he blocked it left handed. He blocked it with his off hand, you know. So it was uh, he was trailing the play. He hustled back and uh, and went up with his opposite hand and made a, a as you say a very athletic, aggressive, you know, you're not going to get a dunk in my gym type of play. And uh, and even then, you know, as we, as I talked about that, he is playing with a different kind of emotion as a positive. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He just blocked it. He fell down. He got up and he ran down the court. I mean, he's playing with a mentality that I really like. Indeed, he is. And Carolina on the glass, 44-30. I mean, with, with what they have inside, they've got to punish guys on the glass, and they did that against NC State. Didn't let them dictate like I felt like in the game in Raleigh, for sure. NC State dictated it. We've talked about Darren Sharper plenty. I mean, that's a young guy, young, still a puppy growing into a, a grown German shepherd. I mean, he, he's going to be really, really good. 16 and 10, I mean, I will ask you this. Daron, that could be his norm. 
I mean, that that's an everyday game for Sharp, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Well, it didn't seem like it was too terribly difficult, right? Came right in the flow. Uh, he really does a good job on in early offense, pounding his way into getting and securing position so you can make that post entry. Um, he did a really good job there. Uh, he's a monster on the glass. He's, he's extremely – I mean, we talked about this, but he has got to be a pain in the ass to play against. I mean, he just <laughs> is relentless, and he's long. He's got big, strong body parts flying all over the place. That tip dunk that he had was, was fantastic. Um, and it was nice to see because he – after that big game he had, I don't remember who it was against when he had 25 or so, he had a couple lower performance games where he, he didn't – impacted as much and tonight was or today was was a return to what we saw from him in you know maybe games nine to 12 uh, and then he went quiet there for a bit as freshmen do uh, but he was terrific tonight really good indeed fun to watch fun to see the energy uh inside carolina podcast i'm tommy ashley that's dewey burke carolina 86 76 over nc state let's focus on the guards and i'll put them all in the same basket and we can break it down love uh, Davis and Anthony Harris. Let's talk about them. I thought all three um, were fantastic today. A guy like Anthony Harris, I mean, I think a lot of people have put maybe some unrealistic expectations on him coming back, but he certainly looked the part today. Had a mistake or two, um, but hit a three, four for five from the field, 10 points. But I just thought his energy, especially on the defensive end, um, really continues to elevate this team down there. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I don't know how you quantify it exactly or or put it in an, an exact description on it. There are just guys that you know you play with or that you watch that make winning plays. For me, when I was at Carolina, that was Danny Green. Danny Green made winning plays all the time, and now we see what he became. But when we were watching 2000, you know, five, six through 2009, yeah, he was a really good player. And that's, let's not act like he was underrated. He was a McDonald's All-American. But Danny Green made winning plays. Danny Green always had the best record in pickup in the summer, which we, we chart. We take care. We, we, uh, we take stats on that. Who wins the most games? It was always Danny. Anthony Harris, not comparing him to a three-time NBA champion, but Anthony Harris is like that in my mind when I watch he just consistently makes winning plays whether it's the right play defensively keeping the ball in front of him a deflection he makes a catch and shoot three when the shot clock is winding down uh, makes a reverse uh, gets his hand in a passing lane you just have it's like a confidence that you have when he's on the floor because you know that he's just going to continue to make winning plays he never feels like a liability. And, and that's how Danny was, especially the last couple of years of his career. So again, I'm not trying to compare them in, in, in any specific way other than he's just a guy that makes winning plays. And I bet you, if he's healthy, I bet you that he will have the best record and pick up this summer. He just feels like that kind of guy to me that whatever he does, he's always making winning plays. Yeah, and he's a guy you can put out there and not have to worry about him screwing it up. That's my point, right? Yeah, he just play. does it. He just does. Yeah, you can put him out there and let him go and turn your back and know that know that he's going to do it. And and the thing about, you know, for me watching him is this is, what, his seventh game that he's, he's played for Carolina? Coach Williams made a great point. I don't know if that was yesterday or whenever that press conference was. He's a freshman. 
Yeah. You know, he's had the benefit of being in the program longer. That certainly helps. Don't get me wrong, but he's a freshman in terms of a game experience. And he just, it's what you're saying. You don't have to worry about it. He makes winning plays. I can't wait till he can play 25 minutes. Yeah. He, he's going to be a fun addition. This team can be really good. I think Harris takes it to a level that's beyond really good. If one day it all comes together. Love RJ Davis and Kerwin Walton. Dewey, what'd you see today? I see three guys that are rounding into form. Like you talked about last time, give them time. They didn't have the preseason. They didn't have the pickup games. Now we're 15 in. This is where they probably should have been when they started the season in a normal year. But I see three guys that are starting to make those winning plays that you talk about with Anthony Harris. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, uh, I, I've been consistent on this. Point. I think RJ is going to be really good, like average 20 points good by the time he's done here. Um, he's a little slight. He needs to get stronger, which he'll take care of in the weight room. Um, but Whereas seven, eight games ago, at times, RJ and Caleb felt like a liability on the floor. Now you're, you're back already to expecting them to make, again, winning plays. You know, whether that's um, that off the ball screen or off the handoff from Garrison, RJ's three that he made that he ripped. Um, he made a couple pull-up jumpers. Kerwin got to the rim again. Kerwin made a three early in the second half. Uh, Caleb got to the rim in transition, which we haven't done. And again, even though he turned it over, talking about Caleb, he still is playing different. I mean, I might go back and watch one of those games. I might go back and watch the first state game or just a game from a month ago just to see how far they've come in four weeks. And, and that's, that's why, if you'll recall this, and I, you know, I got in a, a bit of a back and forth on my mailbag with some some fans and posters. That's why I was so frustrated because we were still in single digit games of the college career of these players and we're ready to jump off a building and coach Williams needs to retire. I just, I understand how good our program has been for so long and the sustained excellence. So the expectations are what they are. I understand, but these kids had played eight college games and we're ready to say, that they're not worthy of wearing the uniform and, I, and we should get rid of our coach too. I just, it's crazy to me. So now here we are seven games later and we feel like when the ball's in their hands, they're, they're going to make winning plays and we're, they're not a liability seven games later. Right? So the patience that is required, especially in a crazy year, you know, now we feel great about all three of these guys. We didn't know Kerwin was going to become this so early. He has, right. He's a, He's a dead-on lock, lockdown shooter, right? Uh, lockdown defender is what you used to say. I might say knockdown shooter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you combine those three guys, and now you have Anthony Harris coming along, the way Dayron's playing, the way Mondo's playing. This game tonight felt like we probably relied the least on Leakey and Garrison than any game we've played in a win. They're coming. That is a great point. Leakey with four points, Garrison with four points. Carolina beats NC State by 10, a team that wore them out uh, a month and a half ago. Let me ask you this. If I told you at the beginning of the year that we would play an ACC game at home and Leakey would have four points and Garrison would have four points, would you believe me that we would score almost 90 and win by double digits? Not a chance. I wouldn't have believed you – 
uh, two weeks ago, much less a month or two months ago. Yeah, this team has come a long ways. It's fun to watch. Let's close the show a little bit talking about what frustrates you still. And for me, watching with my untrained eye is sometimes there's just a glaring lack of attention to detail. And I can get it from a guy like Caleb. I can't get it from a guy like Garrison or a guy like Leakey. That's what's the most frustrating thing for me, Dewey. Is that too harsh, you think? No, it isn't. And it's it's what drives, you know, whenever we make a, call it a boneheaded play, instinctively my eyes go right to the bench. And when you can see Coach Williams and maybe the entire staff throw their hands up or put their head in their hands, that's when you know that one of the guys has, you know, you might already know just as a, as a basketball fan watching, but that's when you can be sure that the guys made a play that is, you know, unfathomable, feels harsh, but just boneheaded, right? You just, they make a play that you're, you just, you know, you squeeze your head a little bit. Um, we still do that as a young team quite often. To your point, when it's garrison or leaky, that's when it's more enraging, right? It's like, that's what makes your blood boil when your veteran guys do it. Um, Cause it just, you know, if coach said during the press conference today that the freshmen have, have had 60 practices, Garrison's had 420 or something, right? And Leakey's had 300. So, you can't play basketball and expect to never make mistakes, but when they make ones that feel lackadaisical uh, or um, thoughtless, those are the ones when you watch film, you get embarrassed, you get embarrassed. Um, and it's one thing to be a freshman. You won't hear it as harshly when you're a junior and a senior and you make a play or a, a mistake defensive principle or just stupid turnover that that you've been around long enough that you shouldn't make you get embarrassed and and that uh that will happen for them uh for some of the plays that were made and and i would tell you that's probably the worst part of it it the worst part of it is you know it feels like crap in the game when you do it and you you put your team at a disadvantage whatever it's the worst when in front of your teammates and all the coaches sitting watching film when coach singles you out for making a play you have no excuse for making. Um, that's what they have coming for them in film uh, for some of the things that we still continue to do. And that's, that's our ceiling still, right? We're talked about all the positives. You know, we're still young. We still make mistakes that a, a team with six freshmen and a, and a seventh guy ain't, that haven't played a lot of minutes. And then to more veteran guys that make mistakes that freshmen make at times. So that's our ceiling. It, it, it's, you can't do that in the tournament, right? You do that for one half and your season's over. So those are the things we still have to clean up um, if we want to actually make some kind of a run. Yep, it is. It is fun to watch the young guys. It is fun to watch when everybody plays well. It is maddening. When, when the mistakes happen, and like you said, and like I said in the question, when it's the old guys doing it, it's like, Jesus, man. You know, hey, the bench is a great motivator. Baycott and Sharp and Anthony Harris, um, they'll gladly take more minutes if it comes. Dewey, it's always been a pleasure, my man. Yep, thanks, Tom. 
Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.